and what I'd say too, is I think, um, you know, I believe that like growth won't come if you're not challenging yourself. And so I often will talk and coach to people about leaning into your discomfort because with that, the growth really comes. And so that, that is, was probably the biggest moment for me where I, I did what I didn't, I don't even think I knew exactly what I was doing. Yo, what's going on? It's DJ Brainstorm. Yo, Black Pop, come on this thing. This has been Joy. Katie, this is Gabby. This is Talk It Out. Yo, what's good? It's your boy Q from Chopping Over Q and the Critical Dub Network. And you are tuned in. It's official, man. Y'all here's your home. Let's do it. Yeah, yes, world. Yes, I know. Merv. You've, you've done it again. I know I've done it again. Another great guest that's going to bless us and inspire and encourage and just allow us to, to enter in, into her space. Um, yes, and the first time guest um, that is, I'm excited. I'm excited about this one in particular. Um, a wealth of knowledge, whether, you know, it's parenthood, entrepreneurship, speaker, author working in the corporate world and you and for those who rock with me you guys know my story yes you know i do still do my corporate world do my job thing got the family got the brand so just it's just another person on the other end that's that's giving us um, a different perspective and, and, and a wealth of, like i said a wealth of knowledge to just let us know we can keep going and don't let the primary way you earn your income knock your side hustle so world just help me welcome victoria <laughs> peltier victoria peltier that's right that's good <laughs> see 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 it took me a while i didn't want to butcher it so no. <laughs> thank you and welcome to the flagrant <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me happy to be here no problem no problem so for for the world, uh, first time listeners, thank you for tuning in. The avid listeners, you already know, thank you for tuning in. What up? One of the things about this lady that I want to highlight, um, when it comes to her childhood, um, was was in a unique situation. Um, like me, my mom had me at sixteen, so you guys have learned to know my challenges. But on the other end, uh, Miss Victoria you know had an upbringing to where it was you know some abuse some drug abuse and did some miraculous things to overcome that um upbringing so so victoria if you can just kind of let us in on you know the start the start of the journey for 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 yourself thank you as i said thanks for having me i'm happy to share the story but more importantly some of the life lessons i've learned coming out on the other side so Murph, as you said, I am um, had a, a very difficult um, childhood. I was born to a drug addicted teenage mother who was extremely abusive to me. I was in and out of care a number of times. Um, she pushed me upstairs, downstairs. Uh, I had a cigarette in my eye. Uh, I wore a patch for a number of months. So even to this day, as I get tired, you'll see one eye droop a little um, more so than the other. I am fortunate, however, because there are many children who are not, um, to not only be removed from her care, but adopted to a loving family. So my mom and dad are those that raised me, the woman that birthed me, her name is Julie. And my you know, parents, however, from a socioeconomic standpoint, um, were on the lower end. 
And I remember my mom telling me when I was younger, Tori, you need to do better than us. And she meant socioeconomically. My dad was a janitor. My mom was a secretary. There was no vacations. They couldn't afford to send me away on the school trips, but I had love and there was no abuse. But I used, you know, all of this to sort of fuel me in my drive to be better than better than the biology or better than the cir circumstances I was raised within. And that for me actually was in the workplace. So I started working at a very early age at 11, in part because I wanted some of the things my friends at school had that my parents couldn't afford, but also because it was a place I felt I was a little bit more in control of the circumstances around me. I, my work ethic, what I learned to be successful in those roles and how I showed up every day. And so it was that, that it's my why um, that, you know, that's really pr propelled me into, you know, a career as a corporate executive. Nice, nice, nice. And, and you, you said something that's important and I'm not blaming what happened on 2020. However, it's like now, instead of taking that initiative to go get it, it's like, I just want to stay inside. I don't want to socialize and talk to people. I, I've noticed that in, in my profession that it's like this, how we're interacting. It's normal for us. Yeah. Afterwards, it's kind of like, you're not texting me. You're not going to send an email. No, let's talk face to face. Let's figure this thing out. Let's communicate. So for, for you, what was it that you was just like, you know what? I, I, I have to go get it. I have to be that the person that take the initiative to like you kind of alluded to, just get yourself to the things that you need instead of waiting or wanting or doing un you know, illegal things, so to speak, to get the things that you, you know, that you needed. Well, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, we have choice in how we choose to respond to the circumstance. Uh, you know, things, and there are things that are outside of our control. You know, stuff happens, obstacles come our way, and I, I sign it's funny, a, a lot of my social media posts with hashtag unstoppable, hashtag no excuses. And I will yes. tell you my children hate the no excuses bit. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, it's, you know, we can, we can have an emotion when something happens, anger, sadness, fear, whatever the emotion, like let's allow ourselves that, but then how we respond is where we have choice. Nice. And so for me, that um what happened to me in my childhood and there was beyond even there was lots of things that you know that continued beyond um you know sort of socially for my friends as um i was raped as a teenager by one of my boyfriends like so i i have chosen you know to do better to be better and to go after everything that i want what i would say is i think in some instances i think i pushed myself to prove that i belonged to validate my own self-worth. And that's because it took me many, many years to feel comfortable and confident in the woman that I was at that time. And now that I, you know, as I've grown into even more of that, just be comfortable in my own skin. And so that's why I pushed myself so hard to get out there in the, in the work, work world, to continue to do more because I wanted to prove something to the world. Uh, now, as I've matured, it's about proving I, I'm the only one I'm really competing with. Come so on I'm now. no longer, I don't need material possessions to do that. Because at one point I felt I, I needed the better vehicle. I needed the bigger yes. house and all these yes. things to like demonstrate to the world that I'd somehow made it. And, you know, and I think it wasn't until in my thirties where I was like, you know what? I really, that's not what makes me happy. My family, my close friends who become the chosen family, uh, our, our health, 
uh, you know, and joy. I talk a lot, you know, about joy, um, both in, I don't do things that don't bring me personal or professional joy or value. I either say no, I delegate it to someone else or I outsource it. Hashtag boss lady. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Now, as you stated before we recorded, you know, you go from 11 starting, you know, earning income to 24 became an officer. Yes, now, yes, what was it? A, was it a person? Like, what was it for you to be like, you know, what? I can either reach this or I'm going to reach this. Did you give yourself a time frame? Was it a mentor that you had? Like, yeah, that, that, that's very exciting to hear. It's, um, no, it's funny. Actually, my, my desire um, as a child was to be a lawyer, mm. not be sort of in corporate. But, you know, one of the things I've learned is follow, follow the passion, your passion and the things you enjoy doing. And hopefully money will follow. Yeah. Um, and when I was in university, I was working in a bank and I got promoted up through the ranks into, you know, positions of leadership. And so when um, they, the bank offered me a relocation across country into an even more senior role, I thought I'm going to take a year off before going to law school. Uh, and if I love the city they moved me to, I'll just stay there and switch universities. And I did neither of two things. I said, move back out west where I grew up, nor did I go to law school because I realized I loved the work that I was doing. I also, you know, the bank offered a lot of opportunities for education and advancement. And so I took that upon myself to hopefully move me forward. And so while I worked within the bank, I started in like at 16 years old, doing outbound telemarketing sales. Like mm. that's one of the most horrific jobs, um, you know, that you can do. But I did that for less than six months before I got promoted to, to be a leader of those teams and then eventually lead bigger and bigger teams within that the contact center environment across retail banking and lending and ultimately to lead a discount brokerage. And it was because I had, it was so, then it was a bit of a fluke and circumstance. I didn't have a mentor. I got recruited mm. by a company to be the chief operating officer for wow. um, a business process outsourcing company. And I had experience with outbound telemarketing, which was part of what the work that they were doing. And they also had large financial services clients. And I worked for two banks um, already at that point. It was a massive stretch role for me to move into that COO role because every function of the organization except for finance reported to me and at that point i'd only had operational experience yeah i worked with technology but they didn't report to me i worked with hr but they didn't report to me gotcha. so i needed to i'm not a believer in fake it till you make it except when it comes to confidence hey and i showed up this very confident 24 year old come on uh who Funny enough, late, later on, actually, I, I would lie about what woman do you know lies about her age, making herself older. Um, so I would lie about it if, if I got pushed into a corner, um, you know, but I showed up confidently and I did have a lot of the ticks in the box that they wanted. Those I didn't. I learned to hire people around me that were, were better at the things that I, I didn't have those skills in and people that I could trust. And we collaboratively worked effectively. And that's what ended up making me successful in that role. Nice. Look at that. that that's wow. So you just, all right, here we go. <clears throat> I know I'm 24, but I know, because I don't want you to have that as a hindrance in my opportunity. So you know, that she lacks experience or she's too young. That was great. That was great. And then for you, like you said, not to have a mentor, just kind of 
go just go through the motion or, or the process, I should say, and still, you know, being uh, able to be successful at that particular yeah, and I, time. And what I'd say too is, I think, um, you know, I believe that like growth won't come if you're not challenging yourself. And so I often will talk and coach to people about leaning into your discomfort because with that, the growth really comes. And so that, that is, was probably the biggest moment for me where I, I did what I didn't, I don't even think I knew exactly what I was doing. I was also a new mother, by the way, my son mm. was only three months old at the time. So I'm stepping okay. into this job. That's a massive stretch for me as a brand new mother, uh, and going into it. But now I look back and it was literally stretching myself, leaning into something that would make me completely uncomfortable that put me in a position of strength and power to ultimately, um, perform and drive and go back to that notion of doing better than. No, you say no excuses and unstoppable. That's right. Come on. See, I'm, I'm already locked in. Like I told you, I learned something from every guest where I'm going to implement it. And this, that, that's definitely that's definitely one of them. So we do that at 24. It's a good decade or so. So around mid-30s, a president. Come on, yes. we've been moving up the ladders. Come on, keep, keep, keep us in the loop. Keep keep us keep us uh, in, engaged. Well, so I am. Um, I actually moved. I moved around a lot in my career. So the longest okay. I worked at any one employer was six years, and that was the first. That's not bank bad at all. That, uh, the first bank that I worked at. Ever since then, it's been between two and four years. So even during that ten-year period between COO to making president, I worked at a number of different places. Um, and, and some of those I'll say were, I, I, fortunately that first company, I was only there for about two years and I discovered fraud between one of the owners and some members of my staff and one of our clients. And I'm highly, a highly driven person by ethics and integrity. Uh, and so I made a decision to leave, but it was the job. It taught me the most around how to lead a business. And I went on to the next one and I could take the learnings I had there and apply them. And so continued to gain greater and greater skills till um, ultimately I got recruited into a whole other industry. So that president role came um, running a travel company. So outside of financial services or this, you know, business process outsourcing world, they do well, uh, uh, tangentially it's related. So it's companies that would outsource their corporate travel. And so I stepped into that role. So I was again, leveraging things um, and experiences I'd, I'd had into new areas. So again, I was pushing myself in a very different way. And I'll, I'll tell you more if I, when I made the leap into travel, I was like, well, how difficult is this? Like I'm thinking about going online to Expedia and we like book a trip and poof, like a ticket's created. Well, little did I know what's actually on the back end of that and really how complex it is. Uh, and so I stepped into that world and got to, you know, got to lead uh, across the entire portfolio, a smaller company than, you know, I'd used to be leading, but I gained, you know, the exposure from there to, you know, I was later actually recruited by American Express to run their corporate, a significant portion of their corporate travel business as a result of being president of a smaller company. So again, wow. stepping up in a, you know, different, you know, size and scale with, you know, new opportunity and challenging me to learn different things with each, with each of those steps. Wow. I, I'm, I'm still just like, wow. And, and I haven't even asked a question before you became a CEO yet. You're an author, you're a speaker. You have children. You have a family. This is before before president. Like so, when did the now the side hustle, the extracurricular moments of when Miss Victoria is like, you know what, I'm I'm about ready to take on another challenge 
to just, you know, make myself challenged or uncomfortable to do something that, you know, I haven't seen. So what was it first for you? Was it, you know, what I'm going to become a speaker or I'm going to write this book first? Uh, well, I had side hustles even before either of those. Come on. Uh, the reality is I've, I've almost always held multiple jobs. Uh, I bought my first gotcha. house at 19, my first house at 19. Um, and so I had side hustles. I was an actor in my youth, but I was very, I very clearly understood that wasn't going to pay the mortgage. Uh, so, uh, but I bought the casting agency that represented me. Uh, oh. And so that became the side hustle while I worked for the bank. And, you know, then when I was in my, my tw mid to late twenties and had one, I don't know if my second child had been born at that point, but either one or two children, I started a like natural soap and body works company. And I did it because I enjoyed, I wanted to do it for myself, but you can't make a single bar of soap. So I'm, you make a loaf. And so there you go, there's 10. And then I just created all this and played around. And then I had wow. so much stuff at home. I made, I made a business out of it um, after giving away baskets at Christmas time. So that was one of the first and I sold that business. The speaking came initially purely from my day job. So okay. being asked to speak at industry conferences. And so that started 20 years ago. The shift to doing it from a professional paid perspective was 10 years after that. So I've now been doing that for 10 years. But I also have um, always like done small consulting gigs on the side because people would ask me for some sort you know, support and you know, executive coaching or coaching them from a career perspective, helping them with the resume. Those are small bits. Uh, to, I will tell you the CEO job came through acquisition. Um, I bought a company. I bought it as an investment. I didn't plan on running it as its CEO, but I left one company and there was a bit of a delay before I started my next role. So I ended up running it as the CEO and then sold it off a year later. Um, the author um, came a number of years ago and I'm a you know, believer and you put it out into the world and yes. you know, you know, it will come. I'm not a vision board person, but I know that works for some people. So, mm -hmm. you know, sure. have at it if that's what works for you. Um, but I do sort of think about, you know, the things I'd like. And, you know, my friend in Kichi had come to me and said, Hey, there's this publisher. I've worked with her before. She's got a book called, um, unstoppable, uh, coming out. And it was a, co it's a co-authored book. And I'm like, well, that's my motto. So yes, I totally have to be part of this book. Uh, and I was very flattered when the publishers made me the first chapter in the book nice. called, called courage to live. And that actually was also much more of a launch pad into me speaking on very different topics that were much more personal. So what I just shared with you, you and your listening audience around my early years, I never would have shared that so publicly. And it wasn't until I started doing way more coaching and mentoring. And I wrote this book that I realized I had this platform and I could hopefully help others who either had really difficult circumstances that they'd overcome or needed a bit of inspiration or motivation to move forward that I started to share my own story. And so my unstoppable keynote is probably the one I deliver, you know, the most frequently, uh, but from a place of, you know, deep care and compassion for those to, and connection for people to get something out of it. And, uh, you know, just a little golden nugget that they can use in their own lives. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, that's, that's great. And you just said something I thought was interesting during the acquisition. You was like, um, see you know ceo or president it's like well i was trying to buy it not take over it's like it's two different things <laughs> so how did that conversation come about well it's well I, I know exactly how it came about so i <laughs> um 
I um, am in my second marriage uh, and um, my husband now, uh, when we met, we met on vacation and um, he gave up a 25 year career to move for me because we lived in different cities and I had two children. My ex actually had passed away. And so I have two children. And so it was a lot easier for him to move. Um, and later, by the way, he, he adopted my children. Peltier is his last name. He thanked, th thanked the good French Canadian boy for, for that hey, last name. Peltier. And, yes, indeed. <laughs> and he, um, so he gave up a, you know, career that, you know, he loved to move for me, the woman he loved. And so we were looking at, um, you know, what to do for him in the health and wellness space because that's the space he was in and i'm extremely passionate around that i'm a fitness fanatic have been involved in sports all of my life and so we were looking at buying a health and wellness related business but i'm a big believer in um, networking both strategically or intentionally for you know the ones you're looking for whether it's to get a job to sign new business but also i believe in the organic way in which things happen and i was coaching my daughter's hockey team and one of the moms uh, from uh, of the girls on the team, we were waiting and chatting outside the locker room as they were getting changed. And I just, she and I kind of clicked and I said, you know, we should go for lunch sometime. And we did. And she, in learning more about her, she told me how to, she had a few different businesses. And one of them is this one business is a little bit more technology focused. That's not her background. She was thinking she might sell it. And I said, oh, tell me more. <laughs> and then as I learned more about it, it was nothing. So it's a date. It was a data and analytics business doing essentially at the time qualitative market research using the technology to do that for financial services companies, um, predominantly as her clients. And I just saw this huge potential. I don't think she realized what she had. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said she was going to sell it. So six six months later, I acquired it. So Murph, that wasn't in the plan at wow. all. I was looking to buy a health and wellness or fitness related business that my I would be, you know, the business side of, but my husband would run it because that's right. exactly correct. <laughs> and instead, I heard this great opportunity for which it was in a, with clients that I knew and uh, untapped market op opportunity and potential that I don't think she knew she had. And so that was it. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, it's, that's how it usually go. I, I, I'm, I'm thanking you for <laughs> allowing me to get one foot in the door. I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. Now, before we talk about DEI and that's diversity, equity, and inclusion, I, I want to just highlight some of the things that you said again offline that I want to again make sure I share with the audience. Nickname turned around queen, turn around queen. Are we going? We definitely got to hear more about that. But also, woman of the. Woman of Influence by South Florida Business Journal in 2023. Top 30 most influential business leaders in tech. And then 2022, something similar with the most influenced entrepreneur of the year by World Magazine. And top 50 in business. And... When it comes to a marquee company, when it comes to technology, IBM, you've got recognized, as you stated with that, again, humbly, global social seller. And I'm going to start right there because I'm still sitting here like, wow. Wow. Just again, it's still wow. So maybe the turnaround queen, that's why or how based on your resume slash recognition, it's kind of like no matter where you put Victoria, 
give it some time. It's, yeah, she's gonna she's gonna turn. You know, I won't say rags to riches, but she will definitely. You will see the the the, the positive impact that that she has. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for um, sharing all of that with your listening audience. Um, you'll have me blushing here. I, the turnaround queen, I'll tell you where that, that comes from. I okay. have been a part of 18 mergers or acquisitions personally, either with the companies that I've worked for or in the instance of me acquiring a company that doesn't even include the work I do on behalf of clients, helping them with their own mergers or acquisitions. What's expected generally through you know these um, mergers and acquisitions is significant transformation. When we're acquiring a company and into a larger organization, there's you know what they call synergies, um, which means savings, cost savings, cost takeout uh, by blending the organizations together. Whether that's leveraging a shared services center to do the, the kind of like back office function work, or assimilating all of the customer service function into one, whatnot, whatever that is. I am usually in a position where I'm leading um, a majority of the employee count in the organization. So leading operations and commercial teams. So I've been at, a heart, at the heart of a lot of those transformations. And that comes with some pretty like tough decisions. I, you know, I sadly, I couldn't tell you how many people's lives I've impacted by needing to tell them that they were being restructured or laid off. And um, and so I've been successful in delivering the business outcomes that our shareholders wanted. But what I will tell you actually is I made some mis missteps in my early years. One nickname I don't put on my resume is Iron Maiden. That was mm. one I had as well, but that's because I'm the one who came in, you know, with a steel fist and not always the velvet glove. I needed to learn that. And, and that was, and so why I think I'd now am recognized with awards from a coaching and a mentor's um, standpoint is because I had to I had to relearn the way in which I led. You know, I had a bit of imposter syndrome when I stepped into those first early wow. executive roles. I was the youngest. I was the only woman there. And I, you know, felt like I needed to show up with this mask. I lied about my age to if I got pushed into, and you know, into yeah, a, that makes sense. To, to feel like I belong there. And so I needed to become a different type of leader, the one that I would want to follow into the proverbial fire. And so as much as I I, I don't compromise on delivering the the outcomes, you know, the profit sales and profit that, you know, our shareholders expect. I don't do it with a trade off around being a human centered leader and building a right kind of positive uh, culture or environment that we all want to work within. And, and I'm, I'm still here. I'm by the way, I'm, just, I'm pausing for the world because one of the things what disturbed me until I got comfortable with myself slash brand, it was kind of that person where it's like, uh oh, here come Victoria. Back in the day, not not the current Victoria. Back in the day, it's like here she come. Uh oh, who's gonna get laid off or who's gonna get fired or what type of consequences or penalties is about to happen because we're not quote unquote doing our job. Instead of well, what could we have done different or what type of solutions can we collectively? come together as a unit or as a group or as a team to see what we can do uh maybe maybe they did have multiple chances before you came down or maybe they didn't but for you now similar to me it's like you know what i don't want to be that person because for whatever reason that's not me that's not how i get my opportunities and these 
you know, great gigs or newspaper articles or exposure to promote myself and, and the brand is, is just something that I want to salute you for turning a different path. And that's not to knock. Some people are still like that to this day. And I'll wave high and buy from a distance. But when you, it's, I just don't, it's just like you said, it's just, oh, it's nothing positive. You don't want to be that person like, okay, here come Earth or here come Victoria. What they got to say now. It's never encouraging. It's rarely personal. It's like you said, this is what the shareholders need. Da, 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 da. Just like, you know what? How, how, you want to know how my day is? Maybe I'm venting right now, Victoria. Just bear with me. But, <laughs> but overall, again, thank you for, for sharing that. And, and it's good to know that you, you know, you have turned it around. And things that we've experienced, because even with me, I was, I've always been a passionate person. But, you know, with you being around sports, me being in sports, I knew my passion was sometimes aggressive to where it was like, Murph, calm down. It's like, no, I got to get this rebound. And I'm, you know, real loud. And just, you know, just I want you to feel my intimidate. I want you to be intimidated by me. Just like you said, being that Iron Maid, just kind of like, hey, now that was then. I'm OK. Been there and done it. It's a you know new person. So I can definitely relate to where you were then to where you are now. So. Salute. Thank you. One of the last questions I have, and we and we both, you know, shine a light on DEI. Mm. Why is that important to you? Mm. It's important to me because I have often felt like the only in the room. So as I said, I in that those early executive roles, I was the youngest by two decades. I was the only woman in the room. Um, and I'm also part of the LGBT community. I was married to a woman uh, before being married to uh, my husband. And so, you know, that from a sexuality standpoint or life partner was very different. And so it became personal for me uh, to make sure that others didn't didn't feel, you know, the, um, you know, the only one, didn't feel like they could show up their whole selves. The other reason I, you know, I'm passionate about it is the world of outsourcing is, can be ugly, you know, and think 20 plus years ago, you know, work was shifting off offshore and it was for companies. It was like, here, here you go. Here's our mess for less to you. And so you need to be ex like the margins are much narrower in those kinds of environments because again, people are outsourcing to save money. And so I had to um, build a strong culture where people felt like they belonged and so you know working in doing outbound telemarketing although there's lots of you know do not solicit calls now but still doing that kind of work wasn't a destination job it was new immigrants to the country or people who were in between you know their their preferred jobs and so if i could create a culture and i realized a lot of my employees were all from diverse backgrounds Again, new. I was. I'm originally from Canada, so that first role was in Canada, you know, which is a very much like here in the U.S., very multicultural um, country. And so I wanted to create it. I realized if I created this right kind of environment, people stayed longer, and it costs a lot of money to hire people and get them to to be engaged with the work yes. they're doing. Yes. And a strong level of engagement, you know, built upon uh, the sense of inclusion or belonging actually drives higher performance and productivity. So while some people, 
you know, view diversity as a tick in the box as though it's just the right thing to do. The reality is it's amazing business results by doing it. And so, you know, I've been advocating for this for 20 plus years, even before there were like employee resource groups in the workplace. And I've just that that's, you know, where I've built a significant that's a, a, where I get a lot of joy uh, is spending my time in that area and making sure I'm really intentional about how do I build a diverse and inclusive team. Well, like I said, I, this, this, like, like I told Victoria, you know, she's family. Because right now as she's speaking, I'm just sitting there like, we need more people of influence and authority to really take the DEI serious and really use it to your advantage. Because as you know, as that child who had the mom you know, drug abuse, what I'm getting at is it takes a village to raise that child. You're a parent. You're not able to be there all the places that your children need you to be. It takes a village. You have, you know, family members and friends and it takes a village. So when there's people like us who can manage the DEI, carry it over to our everyday life normally and organically and naturally, it's, I think, this is the way of life, and that's why I'm I'm very thankful for you and this platform that I can be in this position to where it's like it's going to take more of us continuing to lock arms to show the some not all some of the big wigs to say hey guys you can you talk about turnover or why most people after 2020 are entrepreneurs or are working or from from home. How much of a percentage is it from you guys or ladies who just like, uh, you're just a, a statistic. You're just a number. So again, thank you. Thank you for that. Like I'm venting in a way, just a little bit, but <laughs> we, I understand where you're coming from. Well, I also think though, um, you know, as much as they say, I felt like the only, I recognize I'm, I still have great privilege. You know, I'm a, I'm white and I was born in North America. And I think, um, you know, we need, allies we need you know people like me you know to be lifting up others as i rise and so with what privilege i do have i need to be using it as much as there's challenges i faced um and so that's a big part of the, the talks that i do too it's not it's not those that are from the diverse population that need to do all of this work here right it's the allies and those recognizing that they have privilege of some sort, whether it's because even if just as a black man, you have privilege as a man versus a woman, right? So just, we all need to recognize sure. and come to this place and recognize how um, great it is to, you know, live in communities and work for organizations that are highly diverse in, in not in all the traditional ways we think of gender and color and race, but think about it, neurodiversity. Are they, you know, veterans, like even what lived experience do they have? Have they lived in different countries around the world do they have what kind of diverse work experience do they have like all of that is so rich if we learn just how to um again be much more like inclusive so it's part of the reason why as much as um i love the fact that i moved to south florida during covid for you know no state income tax and warm weather i still i hate the politics because this isn't and inclu- currently it's not a very inclusive um government to be in 
Not that I want to get into a political conversation. No, no, you're good. You're good. And I was going to say, I have that one listener or listeners like, Murph, you're going to include me. Like, Murph, we love Victoria. Murph, you know we rock with you. We love you. But this are the conversations we need. As she stated, a woman, white woman from Canada, a black man from the Midwest, now in Houston, independent entrepreneurs, you guys entrepreneurs, you guys looking at your website, getting to know you guys from this show. This is what the world needs to continue to make it a better place, regardless of the current situation as far as politics. Like we're just having a normal, organic conversation to where there's no political. It wasn't forced. It's just coming from, you know, a genuine place. So, again, thank you. And it is a Women's History Month. That it is. So happy History Women's Month. I know International Women's Day was a few weeks ago. And one of the last questions I have, if not the last question. For all of your success, when there's a an obstacle or there's something that you face, what is it that keeps you going at this particular point in your life? Um my mindset's shifted a lot. And so the, um, I've achieved from a corporate perspective, a lot of success. Uh, and, and with that often comes the compensation, but none of that is as important to me anymore. So, you know, it, for me, the goal that I focus on is around, you know, being a really good human and as a mother raising two really good human beings, they can define what success means for them, putting the, you know, the food on the table that they need to survive if they choose to be partnered, if they choose to have children. Although I did tell them one or both of them needs to make me a grandmother at some point. Come on. Um, <laughs> that is part of most, I'm most still, people. I'm young. I'm still young. Yeah. And so when an obstacle comes my, my way, um, I, I try and look at that broader picture in terms of, again, I, I, my goal now is to leave a legacy of someone who um, was a strong leader who tried to support her community and, and, and everyone that I touch. And so that's my anchor now. But when something comes my way, I'm, you know, my, my nickname is the turtle. I don't know. If it, I've got. Yes, I see arm. it. My, yes, ma'am. My best friend and I have this. She nicknamed me turtle, right? I've got this tough. Hey, exclusive for the flavor too. The turtle. I won't call you that, by the way, or turtle, but go ahead. And so I'm tough exterior. I can handle a lot. I'm incredibly resilient, but I'm all, I'm all marshmallow inside. Mm. And so for me, I go through this process when um, obstacles come my way. And the first step in that is, is to feel the emotion, let myself, you know, feel that emotion. And then as I move on to next, the next step, it's anchoring back on what was the goal or objective I had for myself. That's the North star. And then I need to take action, whether that's to change my thinking. So start thinking in a different way, acting in a different way to achieve the outcomes and even the self-talk that I need. And then it's to give myself permission to fail. Like we're all perfect in our imperfections. And be incredibly self-aware. Um, that's part of that modeling that the thought and the action, and then just start that whole process all over again and take one, you know, one step at a time, you know, towards that goal. Sometimes we, we have choice we can control how we respond to the situation and that, um, and many times it's the challenges out of our control, but how we choose to respond to it is completely within our own means. Um, and so, you know, we're CEOs of, you know, brand Victoria, uh, and you have Murph. Uh, and so again, you're gonna have choice in terms of how you move forward. Well, I hope you caught. Well, you can go back and play it. 
However, the last minute, uh, Victoria, Miss Victoria, she said, it's okay to go back and start over. It's okay. You have permission to fail. I know that one listener, like, I need to, I need to hear that. I have permission to fail. I have permission to go back. I just can't lose the bigger picture on what I have to accomplish. So you heard it again. You heard it from Victoria. <laughs> hey, you see, 20 years plus corporate executive, mom, speaker, entrepreneur, author, spending time with yours truly. Come on, y'all. What else do she need to do and say? It's a, it's a credible source. Well, that's all I have. You've answered all my questions. If there's anything you want to add, you're more than welcome to. But definitely let us know how we can support, how we can find you on social media. Well, I have a personal website, which is victoria-peltier.com. I'm sure that will be in the show notes for people don't know how to spell it. And on there, you will find links to some of the, you know, sample talks to hear me speak. I, I write a ton. So you'll see blog posts there. Some of the podcasts, I try and put many of them on my platform as well. Um, and from there, you can also link it, link out to whatever social media platform you desire. LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Although my daughter tells me I'm old because I'm not on um, Snapchat or... <laughs> Well, that makes two of us then. I'm not on Snapchat or TikTok overall. Hey, but y'all still listen and my kids still love me. So I'm fine with it. I don't, I'm not taking it personal. <laughs> Great. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Well, world, make sure you, you subscribe to the website. Make sure you check out what Miss Victoria has been up to, other podcasts, any future events. Hey, tell a Murph Central, okay? Well, hey, I heard you from that dope podcast, and, and she's definitely one of the reasons why I'm in position to do what I do and why I love to do it, because we need to show, again, no matter where you're from in the world, we can lock arms for one mission, that's to bring everyone together, one love, unity, and just keep this thing called world moving into the right direction to making it. Uh, a better place so again for the first time listeners thank you for tuning in to have listeners what up y'all we, we we doing this we back women's history month march 2023 is what we do you can find me on twitter and instagram at it's demurf you can also uh, check me out on my website at www.demurfspeaks.com leave a note check me out see what i've been up to also the flagrant two uh, page on instagram is flagrant two pod underscore Oh, another great episode. Like I said, I'm ready to go back and listen, re-listen to it before I even put it out for the world because it was definitely informative, um, inspiring, encouraging. You you did it. Any type of reviews you already know coming my way. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But all right, world, we both we love y'all. We both we we, we love y'all, and I can say that and speak on behalf of my family, Miss Victoria. She's shaking her head. Yes, we love y'all, and y'all already know how I close the show. Don't lose yourself with life problems. Stay strong and fight the good fight. It's a lot going on day in and day out. Man, it's a grind. Don't lose the vision. Fight the good fight. Uh. He 
Murph, you did it again. Setting trends like you winning the win. Fighting a good fight, sick of the sins. Connecting dots now with all the pins. We just trying to be good men. Adore my wife and I love my kids. I never let them down, never let them frown. Never let a clown take a crown. Hit me cause I'm brown, that's okay. I got the blood of a king. Saw it in the dream, ain't all with the scenes. Try to turn us to fiends. We drown in the streams while we chasing that dream. It's all about the dollar bill, y'all. And stop chasing that thrill, y'all. These beliefs trying to kill y'all. I'm just here trying to heal ya So listen as we work Dropping them gems now Rockin' with D-Murph Tuning in as we get it in So millin' in Being better men We so adamant About the culture Sick that it's vultures We in the game now Watch how we coach ya Keep your guns in the holster Love is life And that's how we approach ya